Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of Irish Breakdown Podcast. We're going to talk recruiting today. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, and I'm joined today by John Garcia, the director of recruiting for SI All-American. And John, last week was a very busy one for Notre Dame on the recruiting trail. They landed Dion Colsey and Jaden Thomas, a pair of receivers from the state of Georgia, a pair of four-star players, if you are into such things. Uh, and it capped off a, a really, so far, what's been a strong receiver class with uh, Colsey, who, who actually originally committed to Notre Dame last October and then recommitted uh, last week. And then, and then Thomas, it gives him a three-man class with those two joining Lorenzo Styles, uh, who has been committed for now almost a year. So what I want to talk with you about is just breaking down those three players, giving your impression of this receiver class overall, how it stacks up nationally. And then what is the one thing that can maybe take this group over the top? So let's start off first with the guy that's considered the highest ranked uh, by a lot of folks, including me on my evaluation, the highest ranked receiver in this class, and that is Dion Colsey, a 6'4", 200-pound receiver out of Athens Academy in Georgia. John, just kind of break down his game and what does he bring to the Notre Dame offense? Always good to be on with you, Brian. And you mentioned the size, and I think that's really the first thing that you you almost want to verify. And I've been, you know, fortunate enough to see Colsey in person a couple of times, and he is a legitimate 6'3", 6'4", around 200 pounds. He is a physically imposing presence, which is something that I think stylistically has really fit Notre Dame over the years. But individually, he brings a lot more to the table than just size. I think pound for pound, he could be the most explosive of these three wide receivers. I think he's, well, he's obviously the biggest, and I think he's got the biggest catch radius as well. And those two things aren't always in sync with one another. I do think his ball skills are better than than expected, given his, I'm just bigger, faster, stronger than everybody I play type of profile. Doesn't mean he's as polished as some of the others when it comes to reeling the football in, but ball skills are are the overall encompassing traits of tracking the football. And I think he tracks it about as well as anybody in this class. And then obviously reps can take care of, of the other elements of the, the ball skills department. But with Colsey, I think he is your true wide receiver one, push it down vertically type of wide receiver. Uh, is he going to, you know, break down a corner and flip his hips three times before he makes contact with the football? Probably not. Uh, but can he stem him and, and break outside and, and play the sidelines a little bit? Yes, I think he can. So I, I think Dion is one of the most electric prospects in this class. I think he's very raw. Uh, and I think that's been you know pretty clear across the board. And he does a lot for Athens Academy. He plays defense. He's I think he plays quarterback a little bit. He's all over the field uh, for them, which you would expect, again, because he is sort of always – the top athlete on the field, which is sometimes concerning. Uh, but when you when you prove it week in, week, week out, and you are dominant week in, week out, you start to not worry as much about who he's playing against versus what he's physically doing. You know, Derrick Henry played against nobody <laughs> in high school, but he had about a million yards every time he suited up. So you, you started to, as, as you go junior to senior year, you start to say, okay, I don't care who he's playing anymore. And I think Colsey has proved it consistently enough over the last few years to sort of earn that same type of, you know, let's move on from that part of the conversation. But it does minimize just the amount of of hours, how much he's clocked in and clocked out as a true 
wide receiver. And that's why I think he's more of an upside guy, a ceiling guy there uh, in South Bend, although the raw traits are really strong physically right here, right now. Again, 6'4", 200 pounds, really like what he does after the catch. Uh, I think outside of Styles, he might be the most impressive after the catch. He's, he's a physical and elusive guy after he gets the ball in his hands. So he's not just, you know, Chase Claypool was, was truly a 50-50 vertical jump ball back shoulder kind of guy. I think Colsey can do some of that, but I actually think he's a little bit more at the same stage advanced mm-hmm. after the catch. I think you can throw him a slip screen. You can throw him a slant on third and five and expect him to push forward for, for a couple uh, extra yards. A little bit of George Pickens when I watch Dion Colsey. Not the most polished kid in the world, but can do some things if, if you target him enough. Um, George Pickens, of course, George's top receiver uh, right now, actually. So I think those two are very similar in terms of athletic profile and where they were at this stage, you know, early senior season uh, as a high school recruit. And you mentioned he does a lot. He plays receiver, plays cornerback, and and I've seen people watch him at corner saying if this kid really wanted to commit to it, he might be able to play DB at the next level, not to the level that he can play receiver. And then, of course, he returns punts as well. He's taken a couple uh, punts back for long distances the last couple years. But one of the things you talked about was the polish, and I think that's one thing that as a receivers coach myself back in the day, you always look for traits, and that's why it was it was important that you focus so much on the traits because, I mean, that's kind of why receiver coaches get paid, right, is to coach those <laughs> kind of things. And when you do see it, there's a lot that Dion needs to work on, and I think you mentioned something about, you know, he's so much better than everybody he plays against that he may not understand the need to attack leverage and stem a guy and give a top-end move because he's like, well, I've never needed it before, and I get open all the time. Right. One of the things that did surprise me when I first dove into film over a year ago, John, and I wanted your thoughts on this, was with when I see 6'4", at the time, I think he was listed like 190. When I see that kind of size, the first thing I kind of anticipate is some stiffness. And I see a guy that is going to be a vertical player, but not a guy that necessarily has the traits to eventually be a top-notch route runner. One of the things that surprised me was how loose Deion Colsey is not necessarily hip wise but just he's able to when his technique is good he gets out of breaks pretty pretty smoothly much he's not nearly as choppy as like a Miles Boykin for example and that's something that surprised me that makes me think that with work he has a chance to be a really strong all-around player and and he has those tools that could eventually get to where he could be a strong route runner what are your thoughts on that John? He does, and, and that, that also plays into why I like him after the catch better than pretty much anybody at that size is because he can he can change directions without losing a lot of speed or momentum. And I think that goes into – that's one of the pluses when you ask a Deion Colsey to play everywhere. You know, you, you be, you're a football player first. Um, so naturally, a lot of those, those traits that translate towards a good route runner, which is, you know, coming out, out of your breaks on a low plane – uh, you don't have to have the most fluid hips, as you mentioned, but you, you have to be able to push and break and explode off of one leg to to get a defensive back thinking that you're, you're going somewhere that you're not. You know, those traits are there for Dion. He is explosive in bursts uh, on tape as well. And anytime you're you're physically gifted, uh, you do have some change of direction ability and you you flash that explosion here and there. That's when you can physically turn into, in my opinion, a great route runner. And I think 
when we in this business and Brian, me and you could probably do this all day. Hmm. I think there, there's a conception of a great route runner is always this guy who's Antonio Brown, right? Chopping his feet to do hmm. J- Jerry Judy kind of drills. That doesn't make you a great route runner. A great route runner is all relative to the play call and the defensive back. Hmm. Um, so I, I, you don't have to be this this choppy guy um and triple triple stem kind of you know seven on seven receiver to be a great route runner it's about positioning uh, and i think those traits on that body are certainly there for colsey to be a good route runner for his size relative to what a coach is going to ask him to do right it's it's about positioning which comes from manipulation and that's and it's going to be different for a guy like Deion colsey at six foot four and a guy like antonio brown who's you know sub six feet you know, there's going to be things that Antonio, a guy like an athlete like Antonio Brown can do that a six four athlete like Deion Colsey can't, and then and then vice versa. It's about how how to utilize what you have. And for a bigger receiver like Deion Colsey, you know, I see that ability to to manipulate with work. He's got the skill set to do it. Now he just needs to learn the finer points. And if if I'm going to ding a guy, I'd rather have a guy that I need to teach how to play, but has all the physical tools, than a guy who's a great high school seven-on-seven seven route runner, but he just doesn't have the physical tools to be a dominant player. And I think every coach in the country would agree with that. And when you look at Notre Dame's class, I think the number two receiver for me, and it's close, it's debatable for me, and I think the size is really the thing that separates Deion Colsey, but their number two receiver in this class is another two-way player, someone who some colleges, including Ohio State, recruited to play defense in college, and that would be Lorenzo Styles Jr. from Pickerington Central High School in Ohio. Six foot, 175 pounds, uh, athletic, uh, two-way player, and he's really comes from a, a great, great high school program. What are your thoughts on Lorenzo, and how do you see him fitting into what Notre Dame wants to do? Lorenzo's fun, and he's kind of against the grain, you know, in at least my outsider perspective when it comes to what I think Notre Dame wants to do at the position. And, and I think that's a good thing. I think this class, and we'll talk about the, the group as a whole, but I think there's a lot of complementary pieces in this group compared one guy to the next. And I think Styles can be your slot type of wide receiver. He certainly has those, those twitchy elements where he can uh, maybe get in and out of his breaks a little bit quicker than a bigger Colsey or even a bigger Jaden Thomas, uh, but he can come out of him just as well um and just really there's there's an effortlessness there with styles both before and after the catch you know like football looks a little bit easier for him compared to to the other guys on this list and i think with with his size he's not a guy who's going to carry more than gosh 190 200 pounds at the most at the next level he's your guy who i think you you gadget you know jet sweeps bubble screens slip screens uh, trick plays. I mean, he's a, another one of these guys. They're all two-way guys, right? He's another one of these football players, but it's just a little bit more more effortless with Styles. I, I really like how he sets up defenders in the open field. Now, he's fast enough to run by him. now. I, I think if you had these three line up and race, I think Colsey w- would win in the long haul, but out of the gate, I think Styles would be quicker than these other two. Um, and, and that alone just invites interesting play calling uh, and really could potentially provide something that I, I don't think of when I think of a Notre Dame receiving core, which is that that counter, that that slot receiver who can line up inside of a Dion Colsey and really piss off a defensive coordinator because now because now you've got 
you've got high-low options, you've got inside-out options, you've got bunch options, you've got clear-out options, so many different things um, when you when you put two diverse skill sets together on the same side. Um, and I think that's what, that's what Notre Dame should be striving for at the wide receiver position. And I think Styles brings a lot more to that. He's, he's definitely more polished than a Deion Colsey. He's ready to go maybe a little bit sooner in, in terms of just doing the same thing well and listening to what the coaches want today as opposed to you know six to 12 months from now. I, I think he's a little bit more prepared uh, to see the field, but it's because of that run after catch and lateral element that he brings relative relative compared to you know Dion and, and Jaden. When you talk about that versatility as an offensive player, we saw that in the the first, his first game of the season, which was on ESPN. You know, he caught a jet sweep, he had a reverse for a big gain. He actually lined up at running back, took a handoff, and ran over three guys. He's not going to do that in college, <laughs> but it was it was good to see that toughness at least. Uh, and he's obviously a guy that you that you mentioned can stretch the field. And and I liked your your point about if they were to race, if they were to take a fifty yard race. There's no question that, that, that Renzo Styles would win the first 20. And there's right. also, I have little doubt that Deion Colsey would win at 50. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's that complimentary piece that you talked about. And I think the third guy in this class is really also, again, a complimentary aspect of it. Three different players, and, and that's Jaden Thomas. And not only is Jaden Thomas a two-way player in on football, he also plays safety uh, for Atlanta Pace Academy at, down in Georgia – He's also an outstanding baseball player that plans on playing baseball at Notre Dame. And, and so, obviously, when you have that kind of versatility and, and he's a high, high academic young man, you're like, when you think Notre Dame fit and, and when you think Notre Dame fit beyond just, you know, what can a guy do in the offense, when you think of character, academics, you know, a guy that can do a lot of different things, I mean, that that's that's Jaden Thomas to a T. What do you see from him on the field and how do you think he fits in with what Notre Dame likes to do? Yeah, you know, Jaden's a kid I first saw actually as a freshman. The the FBU folks do a freshman All-American game down in Naples, or at least they used to. I mean, who knows now with everything going on. So I was assigned this game, and I didn't know any player. You know, these are freshmen. I, I never really covered that young a group of prospects unless they were, you know, huge big-time commits. Like a Dylan Moses is one of the few I covered mm-hmm. as a freshman. You know, Owen Popo. Robert Kimdichie, guys who were okay, like we know, you know, Reuben Foster as a freshman, a little bit different. But anyway, it's this freshman All-American game, and this safety splashed the entire game. It was Jaden Thomas. His range, I think he had a pick in the game. His range, his comfort level, he was about, he was a little smaller than he is right now. I mean, he was already far and away one of the more physically impressive prospects on the field. He was probably 5'11", 6'180". Uh, I just couldn't believe this was a freshman in high school. The ball skills and range were so, so natural. Then, of course, later on you find out, oh, he plays receiver. Oh, he plays baseball. Like It all just kind of adds up. Um, and, and and that's why I think he's evolved into this prospect who feels kind of safe. You know, is he as exciting as a Styles in short spaces or a Colsey in long spaces? No, but he's just kind of safe. I think he is – he is your complement to Colsey as an outside receiver who's going to make that tough catch. You know, he's going to run that square in. He's going to run that slant, absorb some contact because he's the, probably the, the most, uh, you know, the strongest pound for pound between these three. And maybe the heaviest right now between these three is, is Jaden Thomas. You know, he doesn't carry it that way because, again, you, you go to two-way athlete in baseball, you're going to carry it in your lower half, and he certainly does. 
Um, but I think he's got some of that, you know, Pierre Garcon, like absorb contact on, on third and six in him. And you always, always, always need that guy. Um, so if you were throwing these receivers out all together, I'd have Colsey and Thomas on the outside styles on the inside, but Thomas gives you a little bit. He's like a blend of Colsey and, and or, or Thomas, excuse me, gives you a blend of Colsey and styles. He, he can run some of the slot elements that you, you like for styles mm-hmm. and he could do some of the vertical 50, 50 ball stuff that you want Colsey to do. So I think all three of these guys are really compliments of one another. And Thomas is going to get the, the least amount of press and he's going to get the least amount of uh, expectation between these three. Uh, but I think he's the safest bet, maybe the highest floor mm-hmm. of these three in terms of just coming in and just being a steady presence at receiver or even if he flips over and, and ends up in the secondary, which to me is something that should still be under consideration. And maybe I'm just biased because my, first in-person impression was this dominant safety but uh either way those skills translate uh on the football field and then as you mentioned brian you know off the field flying colors and that's hard to do when you're this freshman all-american that people are like man this is the next guy for four years i I couldn't imagine that at 14 years old and he's he's all he's done is taken that in stride handled his recruitment the right way by all indication uh and now he's he's a part of this fighting irish class and i think he's when you, when you look back at this group, I think he's the one that is, is maybe the, the shoe-in for, you know, 25 catches a year, clutch, third downs, red zone, all of that. I, I, I like Jaden Thomas. I think he's a safe pick. Again, he's not as eye-popping or, or ear-perking as, as others, but that's okay in this game of football when you need a, a lot of different types of players on the field, even at a position that, you know, that seemingly hasn't evolved a ton like wide receiver compared to you know tight end and some of these other spots on the roster i'm, I'm a big Jaden thomas fan and w- whether it's biased from that freshman year or not i think he's a good player i think i think another thing that when i when i look at Jaden thomas i think of a guy that that you mentioned it he's the he has the lowest ceiling which is an which is what we refer, refer, used to refer to his upside you know so if everybody maxes out their ability you know, maybe one guy's a first-round pick, another guy's a third-round pick, another guy's a fifth-round pick. That That's the ceiling that kind of we, we look at, to use a crude example. Highest floor means, you know, this is a guy that you feel like if I had to bet on who's going to definitely play, he'd be that guy. Because you mentioned it, just something like this. I mean, would I be shocked if in his first two years at Notre Dame, he becomes a guy that they're throwing out on the kickoff team or the punt cover team? Not at all. Because he's got that big body, he plays defense, like you mentioned. He he'll hit. He's strong. He's he's a very good blocker already. You know right. that's when you talk about that slot. I mean, people. Some people forget Chase Claypool was Notre Dame's slot receiver in 2017. It wasn't it wasn't a Chris Fink. It was Clay. It was Chase Claypool. So you used him to work the middle of the field to run crosses and drags and use his size and then block. And and that's that so, so that's that sum of those slot aspects that you were referring to. But then of course he has the size and the ability to win on the outside. So it's a it's a unique compliment. You know, we've talked a lot about this already, John, because it's almost impossible to talk about these guys individually without kind of looking at how they fit together. But just real briefly, when you look at this class as a whole what do you think of it? You know, how do they fit together? And then, and then also, sort of the second part to that would be how do you see them stacking up against the other top receiver classes in the country? 
Yeah, this is a good group, strong group. Um, it's versatile. Uh, there are some dynamic elements here. I, I think all three of these guys can make plays after the catch, which is really important, uh, you know, as, as football becomes wider uh, than it ever has in the, in the spread era. And like, like we've talked about, they really do complement each other. It's almost like if you're building a receiver core, you'd have your dominant outside receiver one and Colsey, your slot who can do so many things and, and you know, you could just hand the ball off to and styles. And then your steady guy on the other side, you know, your, your Jaden Thomas, who's, who's your tough, dependable option here. Um, so I think they really do complement each other well. Uh, they're all big physical guys, too. And I think that's something that not every – when you look at other receiver groups, you don't always get that. I think the Oklahoma guys are a little bit smaller, shiftier types. The Michigan group is a, a taller, slender group. There's not a lot of variance in some of these, but I like the variance with Notre Dame's in terms of height and skill set. But in terms of like physicality, these guys can all be, by the first time they put on that, that golden dome, they could all be 200 pounds and it wouldn't shock anybody or, or 200 pounds or more, I should say. So I like where Notre Dame is targeting guys who are physically prepared for power five football, at least from a height and weight standpoint today. And I think that's one of the things that stands out. Uh, about this group again all good after the catch and they're all two-way guys which i love I, I think when i'm looking at uh wide receiver db running back linebacker i always want those guys to play the other side of the ball in high school because you just get a little bit better of an understanding of what the opponent wants to do because you're doing it you know half the time that you're out there uh, playing varsity ball on a Friday night. Uh, these guys come from good states where there's great football. You mentioned Pickerington Central is, is great football there in Ohio. Uh, not as highly competitive with Colsey and Thomas. They play, you know, some private school ball, but they're still in, in the Atlanta area, you know. So there's still great players that, that these guys get to go up against. And, and they're no strangers to, you know, the camp and combine circuit as well. So that we've seen them stack up against guys who are playing, you know, at the higher classification. So I like the football player nature of this group. Uh, and it's interesting when you look at how it could stack up. I think Ohio State's got a great class with, with Marvin Harrison Jr. there leading the way. Uh, Ballard's a good slot type uh, for the Bucks. I, I really like what Michigan was doing, especially before Marcus Allen decommitted. Uh, I think the world of, of Xavier Worthy is an SI99 guy for us. He could be a slot or an outside guy, a wide receiver one type in this class. Clemson has a really good smaller group with, with Bo Collins and Troy Stilato out of South Florida. Collins is your big, you know, he's sort of the Colsey of this group, maybe a little bit more polished and ready to play right now. Stilato, a little bit more of a slot explosive type. Uh, and then the Alabama group and, and the Florida group uh, are, are really the next two that, that I look at. The Alabama group is Kind of what you would expect. It's a little bit of everything. They've got their Colsey and a Jai Hall, who's this big physical. We don't know what he will be, but we know there's a ceiling there. Uh, they've got their safe guy uh, in Ja'Cory Brooks at IMG. He is your polished, ready to go, you know, third and six, whatever you need. I'll block physical leader type. And then they've got their dynamic slot in Christian Leary, who's, who's the number two slot receiver in the country for us. Just a, a Ferrari in terms of stop, start, you know, 10-5 in the hundred meter type of guy. Uh, so I think the Bama group is, is clearly ahead of where Notre Dame is now. Uh, I think the Florida group is similar to Notre Dame's, but they're just more, they have more volume. So I think they've got four guys now 
they they have complementary pieces. So Charles Montgomery is their Styles, but I'd probably take Styles one v one. Marcus Burke is their Colsey, but I'd take Colsey one v one. They just have a couple more prospects committed at the position. So Notre Dame is really in this top five type of of receiver core hall at this point. The only ones that I would say are for sure ahead of them would, would maybe be Alabama. Um, Michigan pre-Marcus Allen decommitment. Oklahoma's got guys who fit them very well with Mario Williams, Cody Jackson, two SI-99 guys. Uh, but they're but they're smaller slot types. You know, they're not necessarily as diverse physically as this Notre Dame group. So if I'm constructing a roster, I'd probably take Notre Dame's above Oklahoma's at this at this point in time. So so we'll see. We'll see where this group stacks up in the end. But right now, it's it's definitely right there in that top five to me. And I I think for me, when you look at those programs you mentioned, when you look at the programs that are competing for titles on a consistent basis, it's Clemson, it's Ohio State, it's LSU for their one year, but but more so Alabama, who's in it every year. Uh, They they do it every year. And I think that's what we've seen the last two years with Notre Dame is for, for much of Brian Kelly's tenure, it was really good receiver class one year and then nothing, you know, and, and 17, there's no one on the roster that, from that they recruited that play receiver that's still playing receiver there's no one from the 2019 left that's still playing receiver but but now you look at the 2020 class with jordan johnson xavier watch jay brunel now you combine that with this class which is even stronger from a recruiting ranking standpoint you say that's the kind of back-to-back class you need and the last time notre dame had a back-to-back class like that the 2015 class had a guy named Equinemia St. Brown in it, a guy named Miles Boykin in it, a guy named Jalen Guyton in it, who didn't make it at Notre Dame but is now starting at wide receiver for the Los Angeles Chargers and had C.J. Sanders. And then a year later, you get Chase Claypool, Kevin Stefferson, and Javon McKinley. Well, that two-year class has been pretty good at Notre Dame. and, and, and <laughs> They're, they're the still key. pretty good. <laughs> right, and that's the key for, for Notre Dame is – is is you have to do it on a consistent basis, and that's certainly the positive for the last two years at least that Notre Dame has been able to do that. Now, you mentioned other classes having more volume. I'm going to tell you what I think, and I and I want to see if you agree or disagree. And, and just because it's my show does not mean you're not allowed. You are allowed to disagree with me on my show. So just I appreciate preempt it. that. <laughs> um, there is a player to me that if Notre Dame lands, I would say I'll take that group and stack it up against anybody. And I want to get your thoughts on that and why I think they need to continue recruiting one more player, and that is Dante Thornton from Baltimore, Maryland. I think Dante Thornton is a guy that has a high floor and a high ceiling and is a guy you look at and say if he puts it all together, that is a top 10 Mike Williams type of football player. And I think if Notre Dame was able to land him, and right now they're, they're, they don't lead for him, they're trailing, but as of a month ago, they were in it. If they continue to push for him and get him in the class, I think he's the thing that could put this group over the top and say, I'll take that group and, and I'll go to battle with anybody. That's, a, that's, to me, the kind of group that you can say you can compete for and win championships with that group. Agree or disagree with that statement? I'm on board. I'm on board here. I mean, look, you know, we know Ohio State is still in it for Emeka Egbuka, so they could add to their group. Uh, we know Alabama's in it for, you know, Brian Thomas out of Louisiana. They could add to their group. But uh, all things sort of dead right now, and Notre Dame adds a Dante Thornton to this class, it's going to be really tough to beat because he brings the one thing to me that the other three don't. And it's just pure juice, man. Mm -hmm. It is just pure 
there's one guy on the field right now for school X who you can just throw it as far as you can. And he's got a chance to go get it. It's, it's Dante Thornton. And he's not, he's not just this little, little fast guy. He's a big, fast guy, mm-hmm. you know, he, and he's getting faster. I saw, um, our Maryland site, Ahmed Gafir, saw him in person maybe a month ago. The kid is clocking, you know, four or three hand times. And look, mm-hmm. those are hand times. We get it. But So add a tenth put, of a second and put him at 4-4. Four, that, four, exactly. At six, that's five. fine. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's where exactly where I was going with it because the, now you're, you're talking scary. You're talking like this This doesn't come around. This isn't – Adante Thornton doesn't exist in every class. Right. Just period, point nationally. blank. You're talking about nationally, not Nash- just like no, for nationally, Notre Dame. Nationally. Nationally. No, for anybody, for anybody. These these guys don't come around uh, very often. You know, I think when we were constructing our wide receiver rankings, and these were, you know, obviously preseason rankings because we really didn't know if we were going to have a season anywhere. You know, we went with, you know, we're projecting for college and immediate college. So, so polish and floor were really big to us. So your your Ameka Ekbukas, your Bo Collinses were, were way up there. Your Marvin Harrison Jr.'s way up there. But the guy we had above Harrison Jr. was actually Thornton at 6'5". You know, at the time, what, 190 or so? Mm-hmm. He, looks, he looks bigger and stronger now. And this is the thing. You can go off of, okay, he's just a freaky athlete. And you could do the John Ross thing. Oh, he was the fastest at the Combine. But watch John Ross at Washington. He wasn't as productive. Right. John Ross in the NFL hasn't been as productive. Dante Thornton scored 26 touchdowns yeah. over the last two seasons. Play football. Yeah, this isn't a, oh, he's this big, fast, freaky dude. Like, no, this is this is a wide receiver who happens to be big, fast, and freaky. He exactly. is – this his lower body power is is Torque City. He's like a Harley Davidson. And, and he's not just a run-by-you guy either. He's got polish mm-hmm. – He's got he's got that jump ball ability within his game as well. You know, before the catch, he's got room to improve for sure, just much like Deion Colsey. But he's not just a run past you and catch the ball type. He is a you're you're in position, I can still beat you type because he's freaking six five. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting a little excited, but you know, he's he's our number three receiver, but we were really talking about him as number one for a long portion of this in the preseason. We just wanted to see a little bit more polish here in the fall and now maryland's actually back to playing football they're actually they reversed their their decision to play in the spring they're actually going to play in the fall so dante is easily one of the guys that we really want to get a closer look at because he's got a chance to be wide receiver one in this class and when when you're talking about that with a good group behind him you have to throw that group at the top or near the top mm-hmm. of the rankings um and, and like if, if everything's even and Notre Dame adds Dante Thornton. They've got the number one receiver class in the country. And, and I think a guy like Dante Thornton, for me, as a, from a coaching standpoint, right, there's so many different ways to look at this. You can look at it from a recruiting service standpoint, from a coaching standpoint. And even from a coaching standpoint, you can look at it, what are your needs? Do you need a guy to come in and play as a freshman? Or do you care more about what a guy is going to be by the time he's a junior or senior? There's just so many different ways for it. Me personally, I, I'm more of an upside guy. And that's why I like talking with you because you're more of a floor guy. And I would say from an upside standpoint, I, I don't I have yet to see a receiver that I would say if everybody gets to their full potential, there's somebody there's somebody better than Dante Thornton. I don't I don't see it. Um, now again, all there's a lot that goes into reaching your full potential, right? And that's why this <laughs> sure, is such a crap sure. But he's got that kind of game changing ability because, like you said, he's kind of got speed that's going to make remind you a little bit of Will Fuller. You know, he can just he can outrun the defense. He's got 
sort of that body that reminds me a lot of Equinemy St. Brown. He's got the explosiveness that reminds me of Chase Claypool. And it's think of those names. Yes, think of it, those names. And he brings something of all three of those guys to the table, and you're like, that's a pretty good group of guys. Pretty so, good. Pretty. And good. he's a and he's a grinder from everything I've ever heard about him, and, and that's an important part of it. Which which leads to me, you know, and I know it's been part of it for you guys too. Is this is a kid that's going to put in the work, and I think that's yes. a, a very important aspect of this as well. So, uh, you know, I, again, Dante Thornton's a guy that that you look at and you think of it too, is and you say, and this is why the complimentary piece is so important for Notre Dame, and you just go back to the three that they have, and it's it's really hard for teams to game plan to stop three guys when you have three good football players and, and then you throw in, you know, Kane Barong at tight end, who you guys have as the number one tight end in the country. And then you look at Michael Mayer, who for my money was the number one tight end in the country last year. Uh, and, and you say, well, you know, you pick your poison. Who, who do you right. going to, who are you going to play? And that's, what's so important in this. It's one thing to get a Deion Colsey. It's it's, or get a Lorenzo styles independently. But then when you put them together, you say, well, when you put these guys in the field, Teams got to say, okay, who are you going to take out this week? Okay, well, we really can't let Dante Thornton, or I mean, uh, Deion Colsey be this. Okay, well, so you're going to go ISO against Lorenzo Styles, Michael Mayer, Kane Barron, no, Jaden Thomas. You know, oh, you know, we can't, we really can't let you know Lorenzo Styles beat us over the middle. Okay, so what are you going to do? You're going to go one on one in the boundary with Deion Colsey. So that's what really makes this so important. Is it's 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 one thing to look at it and say, well, that guy's a really good player. That guy's a really good player. But then you start thinking about what are you going to do with them. And I think that's where the excitement for a lot of Notre Dame fans, understandably, is going to be. And I think you hit all those notes during your analysis, John. So I certainly appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on and, and talking some receiver with us, uh, giving us your insights on on what the guys have are bringing to the table. And we look forward to having you on again as Notre Dame starts getting more and more in-depth into the 2022 class and you guys start getting more and more in-depth into the 2022 class. So, uh, again, John, thanks for having us on. And tell everybody – all the recruitniks that are listening to this podcast, tell them where they can find you and tell them where they can find SI All-American. Yeah, SIAllAmerican.com, pretty straightforward there. Uh, same thing throughout all the different uh, social media platforms. We are, are working hard on this 2021 group in terms of class rankings because I think we're, we're, <laughs> we got the evaluations in. Where do these classes stack up? And, and we're treating class rankings just like prospect rankings, meaning – Volume isn't just going to be rewarded. Mm-hmm. You've got to have the guys. You've got to have the fits relative to what you're losing your or what you're needs. projected to yes. lose, Meet, meeting your needs. So that's where we're, we're really spending a lot more time on this. So we're going to refresh that every month, and that's coming up next here uh, in the next week, week and a half. So we're really excited about the next uh, SI All-American 2021 recruiting rankings. We'll go 25 deep from there. Um, and, of course, day-to-day, we've got a lot of commitments coming up. In October, just in general, we ran a piece on that uh, just yesterday. So check us out, siallamerican.com. That's going to do it. Obviously, tomorrow we'll be back. Vince D'Addario and I will be back tomorrow to preview Notre Dame versus Florida State, which I think, John, uh, and we'll talk about this later, I think is big for Notre Dame because even though Florida State's down right now, it's still Florida State. And getting a win over a program like Florida State still carries some weight on the recruiting trail. So we'll talk about that from a football matchup standpoint tomorrow. So make sure you stay locked into that. And of course, at irishbreakdown.com, we have tons of analysis of Notre Dame versus Florida State. We will have even more coming up over these next couple days. So thanks for joining us. John Garcia, I'm Brian Driscoll. Everybody stay safe and have a great rest of your week.